Welcome. This is jazz, just the way we like it. My name is Alfonso Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast. Recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs of the 1950s, the 1960s, the 1970s. And every now and then, some of the modern and new stuff. We also discuss politics and social issues. I play songs I used to listen to as a young man living in Brooklyn in the Marcy Projects growing up. And here I am now playing these songs and records for your pleasure. And also to introduce to a younger generation that fabulous original American art form known as jazz. I'm in the studio, as always, with my good friend, well over 65, 60 years, 65 years, somewhere like that, folks, but it's been a long time. Uh, And my co-host, Lawrence Williams. Hey, Larry, what's good, good brother? All right, what's happening now? How you doing, man? I'm good, I'm good. I can't complain, man. Here we go again, man. All righty, let's get it going. (laughs) This is podcast 150. 150. Oh, yeah, that's a lucky number, man. Yes, it is. Yeah. Folks, man, you know, uh, <clears throat> we in 2024, and we just had a little bit of snow, the first snow we had in New York in over two years. And some people were saying, like, damn, what is this snow stuff? Hey, it's supposed to be. It's winter. There you go. That's, that's what I love about New York. We have four seasons. Oh, yeah. We have four seasons, and it used to be... Uh, Winter would actually start probably late October uh, and definitely no- November. You would have weather in the 30s and the and the 20s. Oh, yeah. And to have what we had to, you know, this the last couple of days, that's yeah. a natural New York type experience. If you lived in New York at any time, this is where it yeah. used to be. I remember you know, taking my kids when they were very young to a Thanksgiving Day parade, man, and we'd be freezing. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Hot chocolate. Yeah, oh man, you talk about the Thanksgiving parade. My dad used to take us every year. Really? And I used to take my kids too. I used yeah. to take, I took them, I think, once or twice. I think they didn't like the cold the, the, that uh, much. So I, I didn't take them a second time or, or a third time. I forget what it was. But uh, my dad would take us every oh, wow. year. We would go and uh, we would look at the uh, Macy's window. Uh, before that, oh, my dad cool. went to do a whole thing uh, uh, about that in the fifties. Oh man, and that's 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 something, man. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely remember being cold though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You don't get that nowadays. I mean, nowadays it's in uh, you know it's around forty, fifty degrees. It wasn't. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a change in climate. Yeah. In, in New York City. Yeah. You know. Uh, I was just reading something that talked about the difference between climate and weather. Weather is the temperature you have today. Well, if you're talking about tomorrow, tomorrow. Climate is the trend. So uh, when you talk about how the temperature across winter is now, you're talking climate. So that weather throughout winter these days is much warmer than it was before, that's where the change is, climate. Okay. So it's not day-to-day temperature. It's the trend over a period of time. 
little trivial question, little trivial information for you folks. Yeah. All right, you know, uh, let's get to our podcast, man. This is jazz, just the way we like it. And today, you know, we're 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 two two and a half weeks into 2024, and we are going to celebrate. Uh, by paying tribute and playing the music of some of the great jazz artists that passed in 2023. Okay. So we're going to uh, step back and, and play some of them. But before we do, folks, you know, we always, always have a poem, a song, or music about uh uh, some social issue or some event that, that affects the human situation. And uh, we just had Martin Luther King's birthday. And uh, we're going to do a little thing with Dr. King. And we're going to start it off with a song by Nina Simone. And uh, it's called, Why the King of Love is Dead. This was done in uh, 68. Uh, Dr. King was killed in 1968. Written for today, for this hour, for Dr. Martin Luther King. We stated before that the whole program is dedicated his memory, but this tune is written about him and for him, and so we had yesterday to learn it, and so we'll see. Well, the murders 
never cease Are they men or are they beasts? What do they ever hope Ever hope to gain Will my country
with a thread of death ahead. Folks, you'd better stop and think and feel again. For we're headed for the brink. What's gonna happen now? And all of our cities, my people are rising. They're living in lies, even if they have to die. Even if they have to die at the moment that they know what life is. Even at that one moment that you know what life is If you have to die, it's alright Cause you know what life is You know what freedom is For one moment of your life What's gonna happen? Now that the king of love is dead. Wow, Nina Simone, man, uh, on that tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King, why the king of love is dead. Uh, man, I remember that very well. Um, a lot of people associate Dr. Martin Luther King with I Have a Dream, and the media tends to make that his greatest speech, but I don't think that was his greatest speech. I remember in April 1967, I was a sophomore in college, um, and a friend of mine from school says, man, you know, let's go up to Riverside Church. Um, he said, Dr. King is speaking. You know, at that time, man, and y'all are urban blacks, young blacks, you know, we respected Dr. King, but we didn't really follow him. We was like more, you know, allied with uh, Malcolm X and more radical stuff. You know, that turned the other cheek stuff wasn't sitting well. But I went anyway, you know, we got up there kind of late, and I went to uh, Riverside Church, and King gave his speech, and that is ended up being, if I only knew, a historical speech and what I consider the best speech he ever gave. And it's uh, why I'm against the war in Vietnam. And it also laid out his policies. And many people think that speech was the reason, or at least one of the main reasons, why Dr. King had to die. So we're going to play a portion of, uh, oh, I don't have it, come to think of it, uh, Dr. King's speech. Uh, but let me uh, see if I can bring it up uh, on Dr. Martin Luther King's speech at Riverside Church. Uh, Larry? Do you remember who else was there at the time that uh, that he made that speech? Was it uh, just him? Oh, he just came to speak at Riverside Church that yeah. day. And, you know, there was a big effort uh, uh, to get Dr. King to speak out against the war in Vietnam. This was 67. Yeah. Now, he was torn because... Uh, uh, 
you know, the uh, Vietnam War was under President Johnson, and Johnson just funded the anti-poverty program. Yeah. And so uh, uh, there was a lot of torment going on uh, about that speech about the war in Vietnam. So... Uh, yeah, I could see how he could be torn between the uh, the fact that Johnson uh, had helped get legislation passed and getting funds passed. Uh, um, so that would put him in a dilemma in terms of which way to go. And the other thing is, you know, they felt if he came out and spoke against the war, then the civil rights movement would lose a lot of people who financially supported the movement. Right. And they were saying, well, you know, civil rights and war don't go together. Right. You know? Uh, But he was uh, determined to do this speech uh, and come out. And and one of the the persons who uh, really pushed him to do it was Stokey Carmichael. Okay. And Stokey Carmichael was in SNCC. You know, he was a a a uh a uh one of the student leaders and Carmichael wanted him to come out and come and speak against the war in Vietnam cuz in 67, man, you know, that was the heart. 67, 68. Yeah. There was all of this about Vietnam going on. So uh he wanted uh for King to do that. Yeah. So he finally made this speech, folks. And we're going to listen to a little bit of his speech. Arguments of those who are called enemy. I am as deeply concerned about our own troops there as anything else. For it occurs to me that what we are submitting them to in Vietnam is not simply the brutalizing process that goes on in any war where armies face each other and seek to destroy. We are adding cynicism to the process of death, for they must know after the short period there that none of the things we claim to be fighting for are really involved. Before long, they must know that their government has sent them into a struggle among Vietnamese, the more sophisticated surely realize that we are on the side of the wealthy and the secure while we create a hell for the poor. Somehow this madness must cease. We must stop now. I speak as a child of God and brother to the suffering poor of Vietnam. I speak for those whose land is being laid waste, whose homes are being destroyed whose culture is being subverted. I speak speak for the poor of America, who are paying the double price of smashed hopes at home, death and corruption in Vietnam. I speak as a citizen of the world, for the world as it stands aghast at the path we have taken. I speak as one who loves America, to the leaders of our own nation, great initiative in this war is ours. The initiative to stop it must be ours. 
This is the message of the great Buddhist leaders of Vietnam. Recently, one of them wrote these words, and I quote, Each day the war goes on, the hatred increases in the heart of the Vietnamese, and in the hearts of those of humanitarian instinct. The Americans are forcing even their friends into becoming their enemies. It is curious that the Americans, who calculate so carefully on the possibilities of military victory, do not realize that in the process they incur deep psychological and political defeat. The image of America will never again be the image of revolution, freedom, and democracy, but the image of violence and militarism, unquote. We continue, there will be no doubt in my mind and in the mind of the world that we have no honorable intentions in Vietnam. We do not stop our war against the people of Vietnam immediately. The world would be left with no other alternative than to see this as some horrible, clumsy, and deadly game we have decided to play. The world now demands a maturity of America that we may not be able to achieve. It demands that we admit that we have been wrong from the beginning of our adventure in Vietnam, that we have been detrimental to the life of the Vietnamese people. The situation is one in which we must be ready to turn sharply from our present ways in order to atone for our sins and errors in Vietnam, we should take the initiative in bringing a halt to this tragic war. I would like to suggest five concrete things that our government should do to begin the long and difficult process of extricating ourselves from this nightmarish conflict. Number one, end all bombing in North and South Vietnam. Number two, declare a uni unilateral ceasefire in the hope that such action will create the atmosphere for negotiation. Three, take immediate steps to prevent other battlegrounds in Southeast Asia by curtailing our military buildup in Thailand and our interference in Laos. Four, realistically accept the fact that the National Liberation Front has substantial support in South Vietnam and must thereby play a role in any meaningful negotiations and any future Vietnam government. Five, set a date that we will remove all foreign troops from Vietnam in accordance with the 1954 Geneva Agreement. Part of our ongoing... commitment might well express itself in an offer to grant asylum to any Vietnamese who fears for his life under the new regime which included the Liberation Front. Then we must make what reparations we can for the damage we have done. We must provide the medical aid that is badly needed, making it available in this country if necessary. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, we in the churches and synagogues have a continuing task while we urge our government to disengage itself from a disgraceful commitment 
We must continue to raise our voices and our lives if our nation persists in its perverse ways in Vietnam. We must be prepared to match actions with words by seeking out every creative method of protest possible. As we counsel young men concerning military service, we must clarify for them our nation's role in Vietnam and challenge them with the alternative of conscientious objection. I'm going to stop there, but if you listen to that, Dr. King made some very radical statements. Not only was he saying young young men of draft age should uh, attempt to become conscientious objectors, he laid out a whole five-point platform that including withdrawal and recognizing North Vietnam. Eventually, we ended up doing that, by the way. But at 67, 1967, that was extremely radical. And it must have had J. Edgar Hoover fall out of his chair. Yeah, I could, I could, uh, I could understand, especially after 1967. Uh, yeah, that that was a powerful speech. I remember, like when he was starting to change uh, his speech uh, in terms of, of of being against the war in Vietnam and uh, rights for. Uh, uh, Workers, the garbage workers. I think it was in Memphis. Uh, he was expanding his yeah from civil rights. rights. He was expanding it from civil rights. It wasn't rights. wasn't going to only be about civil rights. I know. That's how powerful he was getting yeah, to be. Yeah, he was getting very powerful. And that's the reason why he was killed. It was plain and simple. Yeah. Um, you know the reason why he was killed. He was getting too powerful. He was saying things that were not in line with with the administration. I know. And these are things that, you know, when you do these things and you are in the forefront, yeah. there is a possibility of death oh, yeah. oh, by yeah. assassination. He was he was really challenging the system, the system of capitalism. He was challenging the, the system of oppression and American expansion, the American empire around the world. He became a marked man. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, he uh, did. Well, anyway, that's if you ever want to listen to the full speech at Riverside Church, it's it's online on YouTube. That's just a portion. <clears throat> okay, folks, we got to get to some jazz, man. This because that's what this show, the podcast, is all about. And today's podcast is about, you know, this is early 2024, and we're going to pay tribute to all those great musicians, jazz musicians that passed in 2023. And let's start it off uh, right away with a young man uh, who passed in 2023, Les McCann. Les McCann. Thank you. 
know I'll never I'll never let I'll never let
president, he's got his war. Folks don't know just what it's for. Nobody gives us a rhyme or reason. Half a one doubt, they call it treason. With chicken feathers all without a wonder. God damn it! Trying to make it real compared to what? Sunday sleeping not trying to duck the wrath of God. Preachers filling us with fright. They all trying to teach us what they think is right. They really got to be some kind of nut. I can't use it. Trying to make it real compared to what? Trio, uh, live at the Man's Club in 1970. Wow, Les McCann passed away December 29, 2023. He was 88 years old. He was born September 22nd in 1935 in Lexington, Kentucky. 
he was mainly self-taught on the piano. He did attend uh, Los Angeles City College for a while, but he mainly taught himself. And uh, he was known as not only a fantastic piano player, but also a pretty good singer. While in the Navy, he won a singing contest, which uh, resulted in him appearing on the Ed Sullivan Show. And that was one of the popular shows way back in the early 60s. And that's where he first got his start. And when he left the service, he went out to Los Angeles and was performing around. But he really hit the scene in 1969 when he performed Compared to What with Eddie Harris at the Jazz Festival. Uh, So that's the first artist who passed away in 2023 that we're playing. Larry? Yeah, you know, the... Uh, I think we had played him the, either the week before or uh, two weeks prior. And <clears throat> it's always good listening to him. He is, uh, uh, the speed at which he plays, uh, his voice is just uh, melodic, melodic rather. And um, and it's just, it's great. I, I, I love listening to him. Um, as Like I said uh, prior, Especially with Roberta Fleck, the two of them together is really, really. And I think he did something with uh, Donnie. No, no, no. Donnie, Donnie Hathaway did it with Roberta Fleck. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he never played with Roberta Fleck. Okay, then I missed yeah. him. I, I always thought that there was a two of them no. that got together. No, uh, it was Donnie Hathaway. Okay, yeah, no, then I, I stand com- corrected. She, yeah, she sang compared to what, and then this is his version of it. Okay. Uh, but he had a he you no know, he was performing for a while and, and uh, he was like you know doing jazz and then he switched to funk but he had a major stroke around 1990 and he didn't come out much didn't perform much after that yeah but uh, you can you can hear that those piano skills in uh, that piece compared to what and even uh, with these hands yep yep that's for sure that's uh, that's McCann folks, and he just passed away on the 29th of December of last year. The second artist who'll be playing also passed in 2023 because we're paying tribute to those great jazz artists who passed in the 19 in 2023. And uh, this is no other than Jimmy Heath. And Jimmy Heath is part of that Heath Brothers out of Philadelphia. The, the Heath Brothers formed their group in 1975 with Jimmy on tenor sax Percy Heath on bass and Albert Heath on drums. And uh, Jimmy Heath was a terrific uh, saxophonist, composer, and band leader. He wrote numerous pieces. He played alongside many of the greats, from Miles Miles Davis to John Coltrane. Uh, He died of natural causes, man. he was born. He was 93 years old when he passed away. Um, 93. So he lived a long and healthy life, uh, and he left numerous compositions in which he recorded. Um, he was a short guy. They, uh, he was five three, <laughs> and they used to call him Shorty or Little Bird. And another thing most people don't realize is that Jimmy Heath taught at Queens College, part of the City University of New York, for 20 years. So here's a piece by Jimmy Heath called Gingerbread Boy. Gingerbread Boy. 
Uh, Gingerbread Boy has a Kenny Burrell on guitar. Albert Heath on drums, his brother. Winston Kelly on piano. Of course, Jimmy Heath on sax. Paul Chambers on bass. And uh, so sit back and enjoy. Thank you. 
That's Jimmy Heath and his group in the 1994 recordings of Gingerbread Boy with uh, Jimmy Heath on tenor sax, Kenny Burrell on guitar, Albert Heath on the drums, Winston Kelly on the piano, and Paul Chambers on the bass. Jimmy, Jimmy Heath, he also passed in 2023. Uh, Larry, he was a... Uh, well-known, fabulous musician. Yeah, he was. He was definitely, and uh, he played with some great folks. And it looks like he, uh, he also led. I mean, like the brothers, the three brothers were, were gifted. Yeah, they were, they were. you know, it was in the family in the genes. Yeah, you know. So they yeah. did a great job. Oh uh, yeah, I enjoyed listening to them. Oh yeah, and he, you know, he was up there in his nineties, man. You know. Yeah, he died at the, the, uh, the same age my dad uh, uh, passed away. I think it was 93 or 92. I forget which one. Oh, okay. All right, man. Folks, we are, we are playing the great jazz musicians that passed on in the year 2023. So here's one. Man, this cat was known as the father of South African jazz. He was born in April 1939. He was from South Africa, trumpet player, flute, horn, coronet. And uh, he, and he was also a prolific jazz composer and writer. And especially known for his anti-apartheid songs, Soweto Blues and Bring Him Bring Him Back Home. Uh, Mr. No other than Mr. Yuma Sakila. And here's a piece by Yuma Sakila. And what I love about Yuma Sakila is he integrated jazz into that South African rhythm and beat. He, he was true to both. Here's a piece that he did with his group called The Boys Doing It.
doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. Doing it, doing it, doing it. Doing it, doing it, doing it. Doing it, 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 doing it. Do it, 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 do it,
Wow, you must Akila. The boy's doing it. Wow, he was bringing that, man. Yeah, that that is that, that you could dance off of that. You could it's so upbeat, man. It's so upbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So upbeat. And man, it just makes you wanna wanna move. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You uh you Masakila, man, the father of South African jazz who also passed in twenty twenty three. Yeah, uh, he was married to Miriam uh, McCabe. For a while, yes. Yeah. I think for two years. Now, there is uh, another giant, man, we lost in 2023, man, Mr. Wayne Shorter. Uh, Wayne Shorter, he was born in 1933, and he passed March 2nd, 2023. And he's a f- fabulous jazz saxophonist, composer, and band leader. He came to mainstream prominence in 1959 when he joined uh, Art Blakely and became their main primary composer. 1964, he joined uh, Miles Davis uh, and eventually co-founded. He left When he left there, he started a whole movement and co-founded the Jazz Fusion with Weather Report in 1970. He recorded more than 20 albums as a band leader. Uh, his compositions are jazz standards, and his music has earned worldwide recognition. He's won 12 um, Grammys. Wayne Shorter, and here's one of his most famous pieces called Footprint. And Footprint has, of course, Wayne Shorter on sax, Herbie Hancock on piano, Reggie Workman on bass, and Joe Chambers on bass. Sit back and enjoy. Thank you. 
Wayne Shaw, the footprints, man, what a what a fabulous, fabulous piece. Uh, man, we lost so many great artists in 2023. And we're going to play one more, man, who we lost in 2023, Ahmed Jamal. And Ahmed Jamal, man, uh, was born in 1933, 1930, and he passed away April 2023. He was like a fabulous piano player, composer, band leader, and educator. For six decades, he was one of the most successful small group leaders in jazz. He won the National Endowment for the Arts, Jazz Master, and also won a Lifetime Achievement Grammy Award. And he contributed to uh, the history of jazz and the music of jazz. And this is one of his most, one of his most widely known piece called Posiana Almajmar.
man, Alma Jamal Ponciano. Oh, man, fabulous piece, Larry. How'd you like that? Oh, I love that. And then, you know, like, uh, I was first introduced uh, to um, Alma Jamal by uh, Snooky. Snooky, that was one, like, one of his favorite. Yeah. And he was, I think it was the first time I ever heard it. And on my 50th anniversary, uh, birthday, my daughters took me to the uh, um, e- e- idiot. I, idiom, I think I, I, I can't pronounce the name right now, but on my 50th anniversary, I saw him live. Oh, cool! And it was beautiful, beautiful. Cool. The iridium, iridium. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he he passed uh, in 2023 in April. <clears throat> Man, we lost some great ones in 2023, folks. Yeah. You know, we couldn't play everybody who passed. Uh, jazz musicians and great jazz musicians that passed in 2023, but it was a memorial. It was a year in which we lost some fabulous musicians, but their music still live on, man. How'd you like this podcast, Larry? It was great, man. It was great. I loved, loved it, especially Fonciana. I love that song. Uh, all the musicians uh, will be sorely missed. Yeah. Sorely missed. I know. Uh, and... Uh, it was a great podcast. Yeah, man. man, we went a little over, folks, but, you know, sometimes you just got to do that. You do that. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, and, you know, uh, we we play every week, jazz just the way we like it. Um, and uh, spread the word that folks know that we're, we're here kicking it and kicking it live. Um, so, you know, as always, people, uh, we're going to go out on one musician that also died in 2023, another fabulous jazz musician, Ramsey Lewis on the In Crowd. Oh, man. But yeah. until the next time, people, peace and love. <laughs>